When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, thanks for joining us for what can only be described as an unplugged acoustic session, Vic, for the, <laughs> for the tripe supper. Just yourself and myself and the international break. Obviously, our colleagues, some of our colleagues are on international duty. Um, thinking about things to talk about today, one thing jumped out was um, we were noticed it was Mark Viduka's birthday this week. Uh, a good excuse to talk about strikers. Jordan Hugel's been getting... The, a little bit of what I would regard as unfair criticism. You've got the constant battle for strikers up front of Borough. Rudy Justed's getting is available now, isn't he? Uh, Britta Sombolonga again called out for not taking his chance on Saturday. Um, Vic, it, you know, first of all, let's start start with Viduka because he's a he's a player that you feel had everything um, in terms of his skill set and his size and his ability. And yet, always seem to lack. Uh, some would say the 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 intensity, yeah. the, the the drive that would have made him, in my view, probably a Champions League regular. Oh, absolutely! If he'd have had that killer instinct, that uh, that steely mentality, a little bit of the the drive that Roy Keane had, for instance, he, he would have played certainly for top clubs in Europe. No question, he he, he could have been uh, leading the line for Man United or Barcelona or Inter Milan. He, he was absolutely fantastic. He had uh, a balletic balance, some incredible touches, brilliant close control, yet he was also strong. Uh, he was as good a player with his back to goal as I've ever seen. And on his day, he was absolutely amazing. Uh, the problem was that I, I don't think he had the motivation. It wasn't the only thing in his life. It wasn't something... He, he wasn't zealous about it. And in some ways he was too laid back. And I think because of that, he didn't really make the most of his skill. Having said that, we saw him at, at Borough two years, three years, when he was absolutely brilliant and he scored some amazing goals. I think the thing with someone like Viduka, I'd, I'd, I'd probably apply the same rule into a and Alan Boxic as well as when they were on they were on virtually impossible to handle for defenders um, world, potentially world class players both of them um, and I did did contribute at Borough but can you judge particularly Viduka when you judge Viduka's time at Borough as a success he was bought wasn't he basically from Leeds after they were relegated uh, to add some nows up front in, the, in Europe but have spent a bit of money when they went into Europe and they felt they needed a little bit extra, your Hasselbanks and your Vadukas and people like that. Um, would you regard his time, they spent a lot of money on him and, and the club did actually try and retain him, didn't they, before he went to Newcastle? But yeah, there was a feeling that he did the bare minimum here. Uh, I think that's probably a bit harsh. I mean, I think he was a success, there's no question about that. Uh, while he was here, Borough got the highest ever... Uh, Premier League position, two fantastic years in Europe, uh, and with himself, Hasselbank and and Yacoub, who had possibly as good a front front uh, de- a striking department as any side outside the top three or four, maybe. Uh, 
we know the joke was that you know first he was he used to hibernate and quite often you wouldn't see the best of him between November and March and also his the timetable of his being prolific coincided with uh, Australia's international calendar uh, he, he wouldn't be the only player that stepped up a gear when the World Cup was on the horizon uh, and also throughout his career he, he played when contract renewal time came around uh, I, I wouldn't judge him harshly for that because there's been many many players in that with that kind of mindset I think it was very different from boxing I think genuinely boxing sometimes just couldn't be bothered no. uh, it wasn't you know he'd have a cold and he'd sort of shrug he'd, that'd be him gone for two or three weeks he, he, did, he wasn't prepared to put himself out uh, I think it was noticeable with boxing that he would say to Robbo I don't feel like playing I'm not up to it boss I've, I've got this niggle and it never never passed through Robbo's mind that Boxic might be lying because we know that Robbo would have played with a broken leg and he just assumed all other players were like that and the moment Terry Venables came through the door who didn't believe him uh, Boxic was suddenly playing almost every game and uh, you know but he told Boxic if you're injured I want you in at half past seven so the physio can look at you rather than nine o'clock for training and suddenly his, his fitness record improved yeah. dramatically I mean I think the thing with um Boxer Shand and Viduka, and we, I think this probably gets overlooked a little bit, um, uh, maybe by Borough fans. You know, in terms of you, you, you can quantify a great player in a number of different ways, and obviously weight of goals and things like that is an obvious. You know, a Clough, for example, um, jumps out. You know, his goal scoring record when he was here, um, Camsell. But if you just judge a player purely by what he could do when he felt like doing it, you'd have to say, wouldn't you, that. Viduka and Boxic, along with someone like a Janino, were probably the top five greatest ever Borough players. And if you quantify it just in terms of pure natural ability, I would certainly say when Viduka was on song, he's as good as any striker Borough I've ever seen in a Borough shirt. And probably say the same thing about Boxic when I think back to his finish at Leicester, Filbert Street, all those years ago. Um, you know, and you see that you see the, the the video clip of Juninho's goal against uh, his one-two against Chelsea, famously. Those players, when they were on, were were, were outstanding, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, how you can how you can put them in an overall framework of what's great is very very difficult to call. I mean, obviously, people from a different generation will tell you that Brian Clough. I mean, look at the figures. You know, practically a goal a game. Uh, yeah, I'm not pe- talking about sort of. I think that's a point I'm making. I'm not about longevity or or doing it week in week out. About but about oh, when the, Yeah, well, just just those moments when they could be bothered almost. Oh, yeah. well, well, that's what makes football special. You know, so much of football is bland and mediocre, and it's about struggle and sweat and graft. And what makes it special is the moments of magic that stand out. And if you've got players that can do that, they're the players that get fans on their feet that get your, your chest beating I mean we had an example recently I mean Adama Traore is not the best player in the world by any means uh, but he had the potential to do something magic and when the ball was, his, was at his feet you could feel the, the intake of, of, of air people gasped at the possibility of what he was about to do and something like that livens the match up and it quickens the heart and when you have people doing that and producing, which is what Viduka did occasionally, which is what Boxit did occasionally, uh, Ravinelli for his first four or five mm. months, 
uh, Emerson, people like that, 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 that's they excite. They make magic, and that's what f- they make memories, mm. and that's what football's about. Yeah, I suppose if you look at it, I mean, Gareth Southgate, for example, was a far, far more important Borough player over a sustained period than Mark Viduka was. But in terms of your memories, that you'll, you'll, you know, you'll take to your dying day. You know, it'll be, it'll be Viduka's goal at Birmingham is the one that jumps out. You know, I was just behind that in the press box at St Andrews, and it's still, still to this day, one of the, one of the finest finishes I think I've ever seen from any player, not just a Borough player. Um, anyway, that's enough about old strikers. What about young strikers? John Hugel. Um, it's been a it's been a, a little bit of a baptism of fire, hasn't it, for for, for Jordan so far at Borough? Uh, yes. Uh, I think the first thing you have to say is he hasn't had a pre-season. No. He he arrived carrying an injury. He didn't do any work at, at West Ham, and he came in. He's come into a team of people who had been running up mountains at four o'clock in the morning in Austria and by all accounts were at the highest fitness levels any of them had ever conceived humanly possible. So he's come in there and maybe he's looked a little bit a bit of a slow motion player. Uh, he's a very different player to the other ones that are in the mix. Uh, he plays most of his time with, the back to, with his back to the goal. He takes a hell of a battering. Uh, people pointed out that he probably touched the floor more often on Saturday than he, he touched the ball because he was getting knocked all over the shop. Uh, that's part and parcel of of his skill set, and that's one of the reasons he was brought in to hold the ball up, uh, to be a handful in the box. I don't think he was brought in to dance around players and create magic memories in the way that Mark Viduka uh, did. He was brought in to get the best out of the players around him. Now you can argue that hasn't happened yet. Uh, he has only played a handful of games. I mean, he's probably only done 90 minutes two or three times that this season. Uh, and they were, that was his first football since January. So I think he's probably well short in terms of sharpness. I think he's obviously going to get stick because he's, he's new, he's come in, he's played seven games and he hasn't scored a league goal yet. So that's, you know, it's inevitable that strikers are judged on their end product. But I, I, I think looking at it, I felt sorry for him on Saturday. I thought it a thankless task. The amount of times he was the on the end of a of a punt, of a throw, of a of a of a of a, of a speculative ball, and he was always seemed to be too far away from goal to affect anything because he was the only person in the final third, and he was normally surrounded by two, three, four Forest players. So the best he could hope for was to try and knock it down. But then for me, there was nobody close enough to, to knock it down too. I think, I think it's just been a familiar story yeah, for the last three or four well, years. Well, I think it's, you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's, it's no secret. Borough have a hard time getting the best out of strikers and have, had, have done so for a variety of reasons for a long time now, haven't they? I mean, you know, we've, we've talked long and hard about you know, Borough potentially being a striker's graveyard and you know, Patrick Bamford, when he played up front at all, didn't you know? He had a few problems. Um, you know, with the long-held story about Stuani playing on the right. Uh, there are a number of different reasons why strikers find it hard, and it's not just Burry; it's everywhere. It's the hardest job in football. But I do think, I think Hugel's been unlucky that he's. You know, I don't think Burry played badly on Saturday because of Jordan Hugel. I thought Forest were very good. They did a number on Burry, and I think, you know. There was an, a, a moment in the second half, wasn't there, when Burrow were chasing it, where Stewie was putting those lovely sort of left-footed curlers with the outside of his foot into the box, and just nothing would drop for for the strikers. But by then, of course, John Hugel wasn't on the pitch. He went off on the hour mark. Um, so, 
Yeah, it's a it's it's a real it's a real um, difficult one. I think I think half the problem is he's got too many options. Tony Pulis, he's going to want to have a look at Gisted's doing, isn't he? He's going to want to. I guess he's going to want to see what he does as the main man up front. And we saw that last season that he had to give Gisted a go. And funnily enough, just as Gisted looked at his absolute best, he got injured. Um, so I think he's got a big decision to make now, Tony Pulis. Does he does he stick with Jordan Hugill and show faith in him and give him a run of games? Because any player deserves that. Or does he go back to Brit? It was funny, wasn't it, when he, he mentioned on Saturday about you know the pivotal moment in the match was Brit's opportunity. We hear that pretty much every week at the moment, but as soon as Brit misses one. And I feel sorry for Brit as well on that score because if Brit's any striker, if any striker took every chance he got, he'd be playing for Man United, Liverpool, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. That the reason Brit Somlinger is still a Championship player at the age he is is because he does miss the odd one, but his track record shows he scores one every other game. So I think it's very easy to pick the negatives out of, on players, and it's we all do it to suit our arguments, don't we? But I think. I think one of one of the things is that the team is evolving. Yeah. Uh, at the start of the the season, Tony Pulis was picking a team based on uh, what he had, the resources he had, and because of the frustrations in the transfer window, he didn't have necessarily what he wanted. So you know, he 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 went to wing backs, and that was more of convenience than conviction, and that allowed him to play two up front. And the two up front uh, for for spells were Braithwaite and Britt. And they looked good together. They were playing quite close together. Mm. Braithwaite was given a free role sort of behind, behind the front man and he was popping up and finding little pockets and, and the, the shape allowed the midfield to get up. So suddenly the front man, uh, Britta Sombolonga, has got a lot of support around him. There's a lot of uh, little triangles being played on the edge of the box and bo- the ball's being played into his feet, which is, which is how he likes it. That's how you. If you want to get goals out of Britta Sombolonga, that's what you do. Put the put the ball a yard in front of him and let him run into the box. Mm. Uh, and that early spell, Britt was scoring, and Braithwaite was scoring, and the midfielders were popping up. That was to do with the shape and the fact that that Sombolonga was getting the support. When you change the shape and ask him to play as a lone front man, he can't do it. With the best will in the world, that is not his game. I think he worked really hard. There was games where. You know, he put in a real, real industrial shift, uh, running and closing and chasing and, and tracking, and, and he was working his absolute hardest, uh, but it's not his natural game. And when you judge him on that and you'll say, well, he, he never even got a shot at goal today, well, no, he, he didn't, because that's, he was never in a position to do that. If you change the shape and change the partnership, you'll get different results. Uh, we've seen Britain and Braithwaite early on, uh, then uh, Braithwaite obviously nearly left, so he he was he was kind of dropped for to the fringes for a couple of games. Hugill uh, and Britt were tried, didn't really work. A little bit clunky. Uh, there was no creativity behind them to to uh, do the little passing triangles to to get the best out of Britt. They were make, both making similar runs. It was a little bit confused. But that would, if those two were to play together, that would come with time. And we've also seen briefly Braithwaite and Hugill, which I suspect is probably Tony Pulis's long-term preferred partnership. Yeah, but we haven't seen it enough for it to gel and for them the, the pair to sync. I think it's an interesting one because Braithwaite was unquestionably one of the most important factors in the early weeks of the season. Him and Downing both helped create, create chances. Um, 
the shape, as you say, was was a big factor. I think it's a myth that anybody can play up front on their own. I think it's it's one of these things, isn't it? It's like three games in a week. It's a bit of a myth. You, you can play one man up front on his own, but he has to be supported the moment the ball crosses the halfway line. And I think that's, for me, the critical factor is it doesn't matter who you play up top. If you don't get players around that player to, to get his knockdowns, to, 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 as you said, interchange passes to, to support him, it, it, you could play anybody up front and they wouldn't score goals because it's an impossible task. So I think... I think when Borough play well, they look as though they get bodies in the box. And at Ipswich, being a case in point, Ipswich were poor on the night and uh, Borough were able to dominate midfield for, for, for at least most of the first half uh, before sort of dropping down a gear or two in the second. Forrest, Forrest were good and that's the test of a team, isn't it? You're playing well against a good team and I'm sure Borough, uh, Forrest won't play as well as that every week. Um, and then the, just the final factor, I think, is worth discussing... Um, is, is the situation around the, the decision not to start with Clayton, who has been an ever present till he was suspended? The decision to play what a player you describe as a an, an offensive midfielder in a withdrawn role in George Savile. That whole experiment seemed to maybe lack a bit of joined up thinking now. You know, surely crying a game like that was surely crying out for Adam Clayton's now expertise. Particularly if you're going to ask somebody who's not as good as them in that position to do the job. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's part of this, uh, this how Tony Pulis sees his team evolving. And I think in an ideal world, he's, he's brought in Savile for a reason. He thinks he's a long-term player in the, mid, in the engine room. He's brought in Mo Bezic, who they see as a big player this year. Uh, and getting the balance right is always tricky. And there's an argument that when Clayton plays, he's deeper. He plays as, as you know, the the hunter killer, a holding man. And there's an argument that that slows the game down. Uh, and there'd be a lot of people that would say we don't want Clayton in the team. He's slow. He's conservative. He's defensively minded. But those kind of players help build a platform for the more creative players further forward, yeah, 10, it? 15, 20 yards further forward. But is it also and if the you case take that Clint hasn't been that player this season? He has been a little bit more offensive. He has he, been, he has been, he hasn't really slowed it down. Well, He's, I think he, he was when they were playing with the wing-backs because the, the wing-backs gave a little bit more solidity and gave him licence to get forward a bit more. And he was, he was popping up in, in the final third and... and uh, playing a, when they were all chasing and closing down and playing a high press, I, I think he was getting further forward. But in the second phase of games, I think Borough have kind of reverted to the default shape of, of Tony Pulis with this kind of five man midfield. And he has played deeper and he's done it well. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every week he's been picking up stars in, in the, the coveted Gazette star ratings because you know that the job that he's asked to do. He does it really, really well. And it's not a glamorous role, but it's an essential role to, to most disciplined teams. Yeah, there, isn't, there probably isn't a successful team in the world at the moment who doesn't have a player who has to do some of the, as they describe it, the water carrying, that, you know, going back to the days of um, Didier Deschamps in the French side. And, and you, you, know, you can't just drop someone there. else in there. I mean, it, like, well, that's, that's my point. I don't yeah. think you can just it, drop... It, it, Savile may, or, may never have played there before. I mean, the like-for-like, like, the obvious like-for-like, like, and we obviously don't see what goes on in the training ground, the obvious like-for-like like was Grant, Grant Ledbetter, but he wasn't even the, in the 18, which we would have thought would have been the case not so long ago, that if one of them was out, the other one would yeah. be in. Now, Pulis is 
certainly entitled to move, you know, move, move with the times and, and try new options and, and things like that. But it, it did, there was, it did seem a little bit muddled thinking. I'm also, you know, the, the, the Braithwaite substitution. I think it's important how Tony deals with Braithwaite now between now and the January transfer window because you want, you, I, th- I do think Burr at the moment need Braithwaite on song. I don't think they're good enough to, ha- to, 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 to waste that kind of creative talent. I don't think there's anybody else in the squad who can do quite what he does. And he was so important at the start of the season and had such a big input um, that, that you feel as though since, since the, the, the dramatic sort of transfer window wrangle about whether he was going or whether he wasn't going, he hasn't quite, and Borough haven't quite hit the heights since then. And I think the two things aren't unconnected. So I think, I do think probably Pulis would be best served putting an arm round him, bigging him up, keeping him keeping him motivated, even if it's just till January, even if they've got a, a plan B in January. Because I think both of them, both the club and Braithwaite, would benefit from him being back on song. It was a strange substitution for me to take him off on Saturday. He was probably Borough's most creative player along yeah, with Downing. Yeah, he, he was, but I understand what they were doing. You know? Yeah. They, they were going to knock the ball long, so they wanted a different, different and set, it, set of... I understand tactically why they did it, but I agree with you in that he is the creative spark. Uh, I think since the since he had his man bag packed and was sat by the departure door on, on deadline day, it has been a, a a different Martin Braithwaite. But he's still the liveliest player on the pitch. And let's not forget on uh, against Forest, they were a millimetre away from him getting the opening goal in the first half. Mm. Uh, and that was a lovely little run before the shot. You know, he he wriggled through two or three players. He. he he has an ability to to change his body shape and suddenly find half a yard, uh, and and just before that as well, I think he he, had he set up the the run for George where he clattered Dawson. Uh, he is he is the creative element in in that final third. He's he's really important. I don't think him being off song has been the real problem for Borough in recent weeks. I think the problem has been the fact that the manager is chopping and changing his team, looking for a midfield blend, and that has slightly altered the dynamics. And I think the change of shape has had a big, big effect as well. And that, you know, that's perfectly reasonable for the manager to say that you know his long-term plan is to play in a particular, with a particular shape and selection. But while that's bedding in, you've lost some of the early zip that came with the a consistent team, a consistent yep. shape. And everyone being at the same speed from Austria. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's true. I think if you compare probably the last six games, Borough games since the the previous international break, with the similar games at the similar time of the season when Monk was in charge this time last year, I think you wouldn't see much difference. It smacks of two managers both not quite sure of what they want. They've probably got too many options, and struggling for a formula. I think the critical thing now, moving into another another key stage of the season, is is that um, is that purity of thinking, that clarity of thinking, that decisiveness to say, right, I'm going to go with him, I'm going to go with them. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk more about that as the uh, as the window progresses. Vic, thanks for joining myself, Philip Tallentine and Anthony Vickers for the latest instalment of Tripe Supper. We'll and be Dom's back away on international duty. On international duty. Hope he doesn't pick up an injury. That, would, that wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> or get his head turned. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then you never know what can happen. He might just bump into an agent in the departure lounge. But nice one. See you soon. Cheers.